Welcome to the Inspired Action Podcast. This is where we have motivational, inspiring conversations and interviews that we hope you'll enjoy listening to. Join us and other inspired actioneers on this alchemical, transformational journey. Welcome back to the Inspired Action Podcast. This is episode 115. This is Jay, me, and I'm with my co-host with the most, as always, Lita Herman. Welcome back, everyone. And it, it's it's great to be here in 3D. <laughs> I know. This is a special edition because we get to see Lita over there from me anyways. Um, you know, we just wanted to give you the special edition of our podcast because Lita recently interviewed Geological Podcast host Michael Max after recently being interviewed on his podcast, Geological, which is also a great listen if you haven't heard it yet, podcast number 329. But before we talk about today's interview Michael, uh, with Michael, I wanted you to talk about your other interview with Michael, the one that you did on his podcast. Right. Well, Michael is just an amazing interviewer. He told me that he likes to not come up with any expectations of what he needs to cover during his interviews. He just lets it flow, much like we do in the Ghost Point sessions that we do. And so it was a natural flow of the conversation that just happened organically. And that was the topic for his podcast, the Ghost Points. So it was perfect. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to it. I also listened to that twice, which I listened to today's twice. But before we start on this episode, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the ALC. We have a series of classes right now that I'm you know, really in, enjoying working with, and Jay and I are putting these on. The next one's in January, on January 25th, 2024, if you're listening uh, currently with us. And it's of interest to people, especially maybe acupuncturists who may not be familiar with some of these five element treatments that we're covering in this series. And we're also doing this for five element practitioners who want to learn some non-needle techniques on how to do things like the Renmai Dumai treatment, or, you know, some people call it the CVGV treatment. The and or they What? The CVGV <laughs> blocks and husband wife <laughs> yeah, so I call them yin-yang imbalances, and you can join us if you'd like. And you can also take the previous two that we did earlier this month. Uh, they're now online classes in the Learning Center. Yes, in the alchemylearningcenter.com. Okay, so also finishing up the last few little bits of our new book on the ghost points, so stay tuned for that. And we also are opening up sometime soon uh, a sign-up list for our first study group of 2024. And it's going to be a small group. So if you're thinking about signing up, I would not wait too long because it's probably going to fill. And also, if you can rate and review this podcast, if you enjoyed any of it, anytime, anywhere, <laughs> on any of them, we would love, love, love a little review, rate and review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. We don't really care, but we just it just helps us get the word out. Yeah. Thank you so much for those of you who've already done it. We so appreciate it. And, you know, again, if you like it, love it on, on, you know, click, click those. I like that. If you like and, it, love it. Yeah. If you love it. If yeah. you love it, like it either way. Yes. So today we have, like we said, we have Michael Max, who's the host of the Geological Podcast. Yes. Today. So sometimes change gets a bad rap. And I think Michael and I addressed that. And I really like the two perspectives we bring to it about the types of transformation. So there's incremental transformation, which Michael talks about as beyond change. And then there's this faster transformation, which I often call alchemical change. And the Chinese word for that is hua. 
change, you know, so that's kind of the topic that we talked about. And Michael's more of a fan of that slower beyond type change, that evolutionary change. Wait, 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 don't give away too, too much. Don't give away too, too much. (laughs) All right. Well, I thought it would be interesting for me to have a conversation with him about the differences between these two types of change. And the truth is most of us experience both types of change at different times in in our lives. Sometimes we move forward slowly, incrementally changing, and sometimes a huge shift occurs that may even rock our world a little bit, but we are fundamentally different after it happens. And hopefully that difference teaches us something about ourselves or the world. And I hate to say it, it it becomes another growth opportunity. (laughs) Yes, it's totally true. Even the tough stuff and the big challenges often are our biggest opportunities for growth. In this lifetime, for sure, some of us want to stay in that beyond type change world, and that's okay, but you'll see at the end of the interview uh, how we discover that even the beyond type change can be magical. You know, I really enjoy that both of you speak the same language, but you have different approaches and different theories and stuff, but I really enjoyed listening to you both chat about it. And I think energetically, we're different people. My nature is kind of like the Star Star Trek explorer, Captain Kirk, boldly going where no (laughs) alchemist has gone before. I don't know. Maybe a little (laughs) Captain Janeway, Picard, Kirk combo, right? Like my three three favorite captains there, uh, because you are definitely unique. (laughs) Though honestly, that's not quite true since I really am following in the footsteps of the alchemists before us. So Many amazing people have have preceded me, but I do feel like a bit of a trailblazer. Yes, I think Lita, both and I, with our energetic natures being more young, you know, we're comfortable with that trailblazing line of thinking in a respectful, positive way. That's why I threw the Picard in. And in this episode, Michael explains how he likes to keep his feet firmly on the ground, in the earth, and tend to those day-to-day incremental changes. And we both agree that that's really valuable, even for the alchemists trying to get the big qua change. Absolutely, 100%. So, all right, let's hold it right there. Let's get this podcast started. And as a bonus, we're going to post this video in our uh, of the interview and all the interviews that we do on our newish, uh, see, air quotes, <laughs> now you can see my air quotes, newish uh, YouTube channel. So check it out if you like that kind of podcast, podcast watching and listening or whatever you do on the YouTube um, hope you enjoy Pod 115, Lita and Michael Max, Alchemy and Practical Magic. So you could do your little command. Uh, execute. No, do it. No, uh, engage. Now, no, what would yours I, I be? My phrase. Yeah, my phrase should be love. <laughs> That's it. Love. Make it so. I'm here with Michael Max, who is uh just, I'm so excited to be working with you today, Michael. And um, Michael is the host of the Geological Podcast and also an acupuncturist. And uh, what I love about how he describes himself is he describes himself as a curious mind, which I think is one of the best, uh, you know, uh, resume CV uh, items on a CV that I could ever imagine. So I'm excited to have him here today. And Michael, um, we met not that long ago uh, on your podcast, and we had yes, we such an we had such an amazing conversation. So thank you for coming. Thank uh, well, thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, and it must be interesting to have the um, the tables turned, so to speak, and 
you being the interviewee, is that something you've done before or do often or is on it occasion? kind of a new thing? Yeah, on occasion. Yeah, I, I've been on a few other podcasts and every now and then somebody that I reach out to says, yeah, I'd love to be on your podcast. I want to talk to you. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So <laughs> there have been feel. a few of those. And, and another one coming up, actually. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, Jay and I are super excited to have you uh, here today. And, you know, we had such an interesting conversation last time about change and transformation from the perspective mm. of alchemy. And I just really wanted to continue that conversation and to, you know, think about our curious minds, because I feel like a kindred spirit in that effect. Like uh, you also wrote on your website that you're, you have an inquisitive heart. And I just love that mm. phrase. And yes, uh, I, I, yeah. I think that's true. That is on my website, as is Curious Mind. It's funny, I, you know, it's great being on the other side of the microphone, so to speak, having someone else yeah. drive. Because I, I hear you say this back to me, oh, he's a curious mind. And I'm thinking, I, I mean, it's not that it's not true. It is true. It is absolutely true. Yeah. But you, but you bring up inquisitive heart. And I actually think that's maybe more to the point. And that. and maybe even more to the point, when you say like what he is, he's a curious mind. Really, what I am is just an acupuncturist. I mean, at the end of the day, the bottom line is I'm I'm an acupuncturist. That's what I do, like full mm -hmm. stop. Right. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be an acupuncturist? Well, you got to be curious, because look, people are walking in your door and they got all kinds of weird stuff going on or they would not have walked in my door. Yeah. And so it turns out that curiosity is a good place to start. And the reason it's a good place to start, at least for me, is because I'm terrible at memorizing things. And I'm terrible at like learning systems and flow charts and you know all the stuff we often use for diagnostics. I'm like, mm, I'm not great at it. Right. I kind of have to spend time sitting with people, talking to people, listening to people, waiting for them in some way to tell me, here's what's wrong and here's what I need. Because if you listen long enough. Heart to heart, right? Yeah. It's, it's heart to heart. There is that heart to heart. With the intention of you hang out long enough, they'll tell you what they need. Which is very different than the usual medical paradigm of I'm the doctor and I know. Because yeah. I'm the doctor and I often don't know. Yeah. That's oh. beautiful. Beautifully said. I love it. Well, um, I mean, it's just where I come from. It's, it's, it's what my practice has taught me over the years. Yeah. I've tried to do it other ways and I failed. Yeah. Didn't help. And I think that's really in the classics too, this idea of that deeper level listening. That's not just like listening to the words, but you're listening on a, on a, on a heart mind level, like an, on a deeper level. And, um, you know, the one thing I wanted to say before we get deeper into that is like being on your podcast, it was great to be able to talk to mostly an, an acupuncturist Chinese medicine audience. And coming on our podcast, we have a lot of people who are just naturally curious and they might not be in healing even. They're, they're just people that maybe are receiving Chinese medicine or really interested in ancient Chinese philosophies. And so 
I love hearing what you have to say because that's really on a level that we all need to know. I always, I always like to say everyone needs to know this stuff. Um, and what you're saying is interesting because we apply that to acupuncture or healing. But what would happen if people on a grand level were able to listen like the way you're talking to each other? That would be a game changer. I'm so, sure. yeah, like, for example, <laughs> if I can pull off with my family what I do in clinic, I get along better with my family. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love that. I love that. I was thinking about, you know, where we left off um, in our last interview and where you interviewed me. And I'd love mm. to get your thoughts more on sort of deeper levels of transformation and change. And I love that you talked about kind of being enamored with transformation when you were younger, like in your youth. Yes. And yes. I wanted to hear more about that. Like, <laughs> how old were you talking and what does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, okay. So there's been a journey there for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I would say, so when I was a kid, and when I say kid, I'm going to say like a high school student. Mm -hmm. I was really enamored of this stuff. I read the yeah. Carlos Castaneda books with Don Juan, you know, yes. being a sorcerer, person of power. And, yeah. and, and I think a piece of why it was so appealing to me I was an idiot kid. I was an idiot teenager. I was not really good at talking to other people. I was shy. I was withdrawn. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I was introverted. I was just shy and clumsy. I was like mm -hmm. clumsy, especially like if girls were involved, right? You know, it's that whole thing you want to have status and maybe just keep your damn mouth shut so people don't find out you're an idiot. I was a clumsy kid with communication. And so I was really drawn to this idea that, ooh, there's unseen worlds. And if I can work that unseen world, then I'll be able to get along with people. That's all I was looking for. Yeah. Can I just get along? Can yeah. I just be a regular person? And, and I didn't have the skills as a young person. And so, you know, the idea of being a magician of some sort was very intriguing. Mm -hmm. It was a shortcut. It turns out it was like a shortcut. It's a shortcut you can't take. Yeah. Because with anything... You got to do the work. Yeah. And so I always get a little nervous around the word transformation because I remember my 17-year-old self was wanting that kind of psycho-spiritual bypass. Yeah. Which, of course, that was you can't exactly, get. I was, I was going to ask you about that phrase. And do you encounter people nowadays where you feel like that's still, you know, something people want is maybe, Absolutely. maybe yes. younger yes. people or yeah. I, lots of people. Yeah. Look, I'm an acupuncturist. People come into my office, especially those who have not had acupuncture and they think it's going to be magic. They've heard yeah. about it. They don't know what yeah. it is. Chinese, old, yeah. you know, yeah. a little mystical, Ooh, right? Needles, it's going to be magic. Right. Sometimes it really, really, really is. Yeah. But, but the magic Anytime. is in the person, not in the acupuncture. Magic's in the yeah. person. So, yes, I think people of all stripes still have that. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't have a problem with transformation. I just, it, it's not this like new agey, oh, it's going to be wonderful. 
tap a magic wand and you're a unicorn now. It's like, mm, doesn't work that way. First, you're going to be a goat. <laughs> That's great. You know, I, I've been saying for a little while that I've been working with a lot of people who've really had a, a pretty assertive spiritual practice, you know, through meditation or or studying with, you know, maybe gurus from other places. You know, there's lots mm. of sort of seeking, seekers, you know, looking mm. for maybe that, you know, um, Shangri-La of, <laughs> of uh, life. And, um, and what I've noticed is there's, I, I, I often talk about there's basic humanness we have to deal with before we can do those really high level spiritual, you know, mm. meditations and, and, you know, sort of even astral traveling, it's almost like, but, but like, there's a basic level of humanness that gets in the way when you try to do that spiritual bypass. You know, yes, you can get to these higher states of mind maybe, but then eventually the human part of you kind of comes in and says, wait a minute, you know, you're still afraid of this. You're still, you know, ever desiring X, Y, or Z. Like even the desire for that spiritual awakening is is sometimes getting in the way. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was I was really curious about your idea that you you talked about the same idea when we talked, and that you know, for you and for the people you work with, like, how do we address that basic human level, which has fears, it has desires, it it, it should like it's it's human nature. We can't kind of go against our own nature and still you know, achieve that higher level spirituality. So I was wondering, you know, if that plays in for you, the level of human. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're speaking some Chinese medicine talk here. Tian Di Ren, right? Heaven, earth, human in the middle. Yes. Like Jing Qi Shen. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's this dynamic. Look, you know, the, the Christians have it too, right? The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There's there's this trinity that shows up again and again and again. Um, There is that desire and that that connection with something maybe larger, bigger, more. I'm always nervous about the word spiritual, but, uh, you know, we'll use that as a placeholder for something that you can't really put into words. Right. When we talk about heaven, we're talking about that which is unbounded and really you can't. You can talk around it, you can talk about pieces of it, but you can't talk about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's just not possible. No. You know, the Jews have this, uh, this this really interesting idea that you shouldn't ever say the name of God. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and I once heard a rabbi explain it as, look, it's not a sin to, you know, use the name of God, but the problem is you're a limited being. And any limited being suggesting that they know something about God is going to be incomplete. And it's not that it's a sin. It's that you cut yourself off from everything outside your conception of what could be. Yes. So where's a little tricky? With Taoism, right? The Tao that cannot be, you know, the the thing that cannot be named. That's right. The Tao that can be named is not the true Tao. See, the Taoists were Jewish. (laughs) That's it. That's it. (laughs) I mean, it really, 
it really is the same idea. So when we're talking heaven, earth, person, yeah, there's an idea. Okay, heaven is or spiritual. It's a it's a it's a placeholder yeah. for this thing we can't really talk about. Poetry is helpful, right? Art's helpful. Music is. There's all kinds of things that will get us there. Anyway, um, and then you got the earth. You know where we are. This you know. My, <laughs> We often talk about the earth like, oh, the earth. I think of it as a mud ball. It's like, yeah, we're here in the mud ball. Because it really is. When you think about like the lower, you know, drives and instincts and, you know, aspects of poor, you know, if you look at the spiritual aspect of Chinese medicine, you know, it's a mud ball. And it's, you know, it's red in tooth and claw and, you know, nature. Oh, nature, it's wonderful. Yeah, nature is going to kill you one day, right? So there's that too. So it, so you got this amazing placeholder for spiritual. You got the mud ball. Yes. You know the the lower aspects that you have to pay attention to if you want to live on the damn mud ball. Yes. And then you got Jen. Then you got the person. That's us. You know, like who we are and our journey as you know living beings in between these things. That's where you know we actually help transform the mud ball. And that which cannot be named. We're part of that process. So, yes, and, and we're vertical in that process, unlike some other animals that are on four legs. We're, we're, we're constantly kind of reaching up in, in our, even in, in our body as it is often depicted in Chinese medicine with the hands up. That's right. So I'm all for that intermarriage interpenetration of heaven and earth. But sometimes you got to really deal with the mud ball. And, and I've seen this in my own life. I've tried to take that, that bypass, like, oh, it'd be cool to be a shaman. And, and then I read up on like Siberian shamans. You read up on shamans in traditional cultures and it's like, oh shit. If I could avoid that, I would like to avoid that. I don't want any part of that. That looks They're like a rough They're not messing around. Job. Yeah, they're not messing around. It's like, okay, I'm going to suck a poison spirit out of someone, digest it through my own system and spit it out. Like, mm, maybe I'll go work for the postal system. <laughs> right, right. You know? right. Right. So, so I don't think there's a bypass. I'm being long-winded yeah. here. I think what I want to say is the work of earth that we need to do is a work of earth that we need to do. Yeah. And I think it's helpful because it helps... At least it's helped me. I'll speak really personally. Be able to put my feet on the ground in that mud ball, deal with things like, how do I make a living? How do I learn to get along with people? How do I find work that's meaningful and helpful to others? Yeah. You know, how can I live in a way that builds connection? And how can I get my needs met? All at the same time. It's like you got to work on the mud ball piece. So I, I think that's an important part of that journey of change. Yes. Sometimes there's shadowy things we carry. Not sometimes, there's always something shadowy that we carry. It's just, it goes with being on the mud ball. Yeah. We need to do some kind of work with that to some degree. I think there's, there is. Yes, because change is inevitable. In I mean, we have to change. It's inevitable, right? We don't have to. Well, well I let mean, me put it this way. Nature's going to do inevitable. it for us. <laughs> Nature, yeah. So the question is, do you want to get out ahead of it? 
like yeah. like be on the cutting edge, like like surfing a wave, or do you want it just to smash you until you finally go, okay, I'll, I'll wash, I'll, I'll go where you're going. I often talk about coursing the wind. The, the imagine mm. being a boat on the sea and being just without a rudder and a sail and just being like smashed around by the waves. Oh yeah, that's no or, good. Or there's some way, what is that way that we can course the wind is the phrase, which is just really directing ourselves through time and space in a way that feels uh, meaningful, like you said, yeah. even safe. Um, yeah. Well, that's okay. So that's a great metaphor. So when I think of a boat on the water, yeah, and I know a little bit about this because I know how to sail. First thing you need is you got to have some kind of ballast and some kind of a keel yeah. to like propel you upwind or across yeah. the wind instead of just downwind. You need a rudder so you can steer yes. yourself. And then you need to know yourself, like where you want to go, like the hand <laughs> on the rudder. Good point. You need, you need to know what that is. You need to know yourself in that way. And you need yeah. some ballast, you know, to keep your right side up. Yeah. You know, like, so for example, if you don't know how, <laughs> if you haven't figured out your work life, for example, if you haven't figured out like how to make a decent living, because yeah. we're talking about living on the mud ball, if you haven't figured out how to make a decent living, maybe not the time to think about deep spiritual practice yet. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Like when you think about the nine palaces, we talk about that a lot in our podcast, the career, health, relationship, and wealth, Ooh. those four have it. like domino effects when they go awry. Like if you if you haven't figured those out, you can't go do wisdom, prosperity, home, you know, creativity. You can't Absolutely. really manage those. This is this is awesome. So I didn't know about these, but tell me a little bit more about these palaces real quick. I know your so audience I, is probably familiar, but yeah. uh, I want to know. So they come from the magic square, so um, which was what was on the the turtle. There's a whole myth around how the magic square developed, where each row and column adds up to the number nine. No, sorry, the number fifteen. But there's nine numbers, mm -hmm. and so it's um, career, health, uh, career, relationship, health, wealth, home is in the middle, number five, mm -hmm. and then it's creativity travel, uh, prosperity, and wisdom, the higher mm. level palaces, where again, you have to have the kind of lower level palaces worked out before you do the higher level palaces. And then it's kind of like a, a Parcheesi board, you know, one of those game boards where you go around the outside and when you complete everything on the outside, you get to go home to the middle yes, point. Yes, yes, And home is spiritual, you know, it's, it's a spiritual home. It's God, it's whatever you want to call it, the Tao. And you're in the, mid and you're in the middle of all of it. Yeah, exactly. You're in the middle of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea is you have to address all nine on some level, like otherwise it'll pull at you or it'll start messing with your life. If you're not at least, you know, it, we have to balance all of them. That on makes total level. sense to me. Yeah. That makes complete and total sense. Yeah. yeah. Wish I would have known that as a kid. I know. But, you know. Part of the job of being a kid is like, uh-oh, I think I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think about what you said, like, if we don't look at our career, um, 
as either a means to just have money, you know, make a living, or some people really want a meaningful career. That's mm -hmm. really important to them. But not everyone wants that. Some people just want a career to fund the things that really mean to them in other aspects of life, which is acceptable. Totally acceptable, in which case, I hope they're making really good coin so they can fund themselves really, really well. I know, I know, I, I've you known people hope. that do that. I've known people that yeah. have done like international business consulting work, very, yeah. very high level, very yeah. big paychecks. So they could then take that money and run their own nonprofit for doing these sustainable community projects. They were, they were self-funded yeah. nonprofit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Like that's- It is. That, yeah, so that would be- food. Yeah, so that would be them sort of having an abundance palace that's very robust. Mm. You know, they have that sense of abundance, which doesn't mean you have to have tons of money, but it's a mindset. Yes. I love that word abundance. And yeah. I love the palace of abundance. Yeah. Like, okay, um, yeah. how do I get to a palace of abundance? That There's a bunch of acupuncturists, maybe a bunch of your listeners too. Oh my God, yeah. how am I going to make make the rent this month? Well, exactly. maybe work on your palace of abundance. Yes. yes. How do you do that? And I think that, um, you know, if we think about change, and sort of the more aggressive level of change, transformation, or mm. even transmutation, which we use mm. a lot in alchemy, like, you know, what are the set of tools that we need to address this human desire for more? We always want more abundance. We want more prosperity. We, we want that relationship. We want and so even though we say, hey, maybe I don't want to change. Maybe I just want to get back to like where I was when I was feeling better. Maybe I want to go backwards in life. You know, I don't want to go forwards. Um, on some level, it's not really possible to go backwards ever. Mm -mm. I mean, no. certainly in, unless you really are an alchemist and have figured out how to reverse, you know, I call it Benjamin Buttoning it. Benjamin Button, you know, the movie where he goes backwards in age. Um, if you know how to Benjamin Button yourself, then you're, you're good to go. But other than that, we're aging and we're moving forward in sort of whether we like it or not. Yeah. You know, I think a, a lot of the issues that I see in my clinical practice, and I hadn't thought about that till this moment as we're talking about, but a lot of the issues I see, especially around like depression, maybe some around anxiety, but depression for sure is people who they need to move forward in some way, but they don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. Fair enough, often we don't. That's why we're in the muddle that we're in. Oh, maybe I'll just go back to this other thing. It wasn't great, but it was comfortable. Right. And I watch it in my own mind. Like, oh, I don't know how to fix this problem I got. Well, I could just, I could just live without it. Yeah. I'll just live more simple. It's like, mm. No, they're, they're, actually, I'm being asked to do something different. Yes. So I think we see this show up psychologically in all kinds of ways in folks. Yes. They end up medicated or, you know, whatever, because there's actually some kind of transformation yeah. that, that they've been asking themselves for. Yes. Don't quite know how to do it. Yeah. So... So how in acupuncture do we address the depression then? Like, I mean, I, 
I, I'm not talking points or anything, but like more mm. when you do that deep listening and you're listening for that, what that person's going to say, like, what is the next step? You hear there's a level of depression. You hear that they want to maybe go back to a level of comfort that they can't find. Well, I'm, I'm imagining they want to go back to a level of comfort. Usually what I, so when I hear depression, this is funny. People come in and they talk about being depressed or anxious or both. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. When they come in and say things like, oh, I'm depressed, I have no idea what they mean. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But, you know, folks come in and because I'm a medical practitioner, they say they're depressed. I'm supposed to know what that means. Well, I, I know there's a DSM, DSM-5 these days, whatever it is, diagnostic manual for yeah. psychological disorders. Right. It, for me, as a practitioner, that's not helpful. Like, what does depressed mean to this person? Like, okay, you're depressed. Like, what, like how do you know you're depressed? Yeah. When are you depressed? What What's symptoms? that look like? Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, maybe they're not really depressed. They're actually sad. Yeah. Or they're really angry. Or they've been, you know, cheated on something, or, which makes them angry. I, I even think that the avoidance of emotions that they w w would feel is depression, like on a very basic level, like whatever they're avoiding trying to feel almost like puts this like blanket over the emotions. And then that- Yeah, I'm going to call that dampness. Like, yeah, yeah. Yes. Chinese medicine, that's dampness. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that so, there's a Tibetan translation of dampness, which I really like. It's ignorance. And that sounds mm. like a bad word, but mm -mm. I think it's like that blanket of, I don't, I want to be ignorant of something that is in my life. I want to yeah. stop looking at it, feeling, yes. I'm, gonna keep, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm working on it. No, really, I'm working on it. I'm working really hard. <laughs> And that was something you said in the in the podcast we did last time. You said that change would require that you look at how complicit you've been in creating the situation and circumstances that you have currently. And some people, I think, don't feel complicit. They don't think they created the situations. You know, it's an outer world circumstance. But yeah. I don't know. Sometimes if you really were able to admit it, you... Most people are, when they're really unhappy with something, they're mad that they were in that situation in the, to begin with and who got them there is often themselves. Maybe not always, yeah, but... for sure. Well, uh, that's not from me, that thing about how are you complicit in your own suffering. That's from yeah. Jerry Colonna. Ah. You familiar with wow. Jerry? No. Jerry was a venture capitalist in the <laughs> late 90s. Jerry Colonna and his partner, whose name I don't remember, helped to bring us the internet. In the late 20s. Oh, I'm sorry, late wow. 1900s, uh, late 1990s. They yeah. funded a lot of the stuff that ended up failing. They made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, but made a lot of money. But Jerry ended up like really depressed because like I was building a better world and now the world blew up. He was suicidal. Mm. Mm. Wow. And he, he went to his therapist one day and said, uh, you got to check me into the hospital because I'm suicidal. I got to, you know. You, you got to get me off the streets. 
And his therapist, this is so funny, his therapist like looked at him and goes, Jerry, you're rich. Rich people don't go to the hospital. They go to Canyon Ranch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Jerry goes off to Canyon Ranch and on the way on the airplane, he's reading one of Pema Chodron's books. Yeah. When things fall apart. Yeah. And Perfect. he's like crying, you know, and he, and, and he comes he comes to this realization. It's like, well, how am I complicit in my mm -hmm. own suffering? And now he's like a very high-end coach to founders of startups. And, and it's a great question that he'll often ask them. And it, it's one of those things in, in listening to him over, over time, a question I ask myself. Like, God, I'm up against something rough. Man, this isn't fair. Isn't fair, really? How am I complicit in, in this particular circumstance? Yes. And there's always a way that I've walked myself into it. Absolutely. And, and I even think that that sometimes has to do with some of those nine palaces we just talked about, mm. because, you know, like if we kind of go with that Taoist idea of like, we have a curriculum in this lifetime, like we, mm. you know, if you believe that you came with some agenda, you know, maybe that agenda needed that suffering a little bit, like maybe that agenda that you pre-selected, if you believe in that, is is like it needed the grit it needed more than just grit. smooth sailing the whole time yeah, grit, grit is such a great term because grit is like in a sense that rough edge of a whetstone that you yeah. sharpen your edge on yeah yeah right um and, and i don't know about other people but i'm i'm kind of stubborn and so sometimes i really need that like boxing myself in Mm -hmm. before I will break the frame. Yes. Oh, Because I, I don't can, do I things the easy way usually. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm there with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe we all are uh, on mm, some level. I don't know. Some people seem to do it with more grace. <laughs> okay. But, but, back to, but back to that thing, look, whatever suffering we have, yeah. that's not fair and it's not my fault and, you know, the system, whatever you want to blame it on, it doesn't matter. There's still us and our reaction and what we have to do about that. Yeah, a situation might be very unfair. Still, what am I going to do about that? Yeah. That and might then, take me forward. Yeah, then going back to depression, you know, that idea of even dampness or even just lack of chi and blood in the body, lack of resources there, could there be There could depression. be that, absolutely. And so this sort of like shutting down of what am I going to do about that? Mm. It's like you stop asking that question when it's depression. It's like there's, there's no step forward often. You know, until until maybe you go see an acupuncturist who says, hey, let's give you some more blood and chi or let's clear that dampness. And then suddenly the light starts shining and you know what to do. You get clarity. Maybe, you know, or maybe you see a really good therapist and they help you work through yeah, some of that. Maybe sure. your life and marriage and everything else falls apart and right. you're just looking at you. Right. Yeah. Like, OK, yeah. wow. Right. This ain't great. Now what? Right. I mean, it. So, change and transformation, it's. It is an interesting 
and wonderful area to work with people. Because yeah. um, it can be so enlivening, right? There's something about helping to take away or, or watching someone take away their own dampness and getting clarity. Oh, here's, here's a way to go. Right. Or doing things that are nourishing to themselves. So they've got more blood and chi. They've got the resources to make a change. It's, it's wonderful to watch. There's a, uh, there's a great explanation about different kinds of change in Su Wen 5. Yes. And the best translation of Su Wen 5 that I've come across is Sabina Velms' Humming with Elephants. Are you familiar yes, I'll with put it? A, you... I'll put a link in to that. Yes. Oh. Yes. She's amazing it, with her translation. Yeah. Sabine is just, first of all, a brilliant translator, and she's kind of a poet. Right. So, so she brings that like spirit of a poet to the work she yes. does. Yes. Not that it takes away from the authenticity. I mean, it really does bring out the spirit of it. One of the things that she talks about in Su Wen 5 is that the, the modern Chinese word for change is bian hua. It's two characters, bian and hua, bian hua. Either one by themselves can mean change. In modern Chinese, bian hua just means change. But if you look at the more older, archaic versions of it, bian is like an incremental, evolutionary, step-by-step -step change. Hua mm. is the rug pulled out from under you change. Hua mm. is your partner saying, I'm divorcing you. Hua is getting yeah. pregnant. Hua right. is losing all your money. Hua yeah. is getting a diagnosis, a serious diagnosis. Um, right. Or sudden enlightenment, for that matter. Right. Right? It's, it's, it's the change that you cannot go back from. You can't go yes. back from it. Right. Your complete exactly. state has changed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's more the, the, the realm of alchemy. In fact, the mm. alchemists lived on Huashan uh, in the mountain in China. Have you ever been there? I know, you, I know you spent time in China. Yeah. I did not realize they lived on Huashan. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, I've not been. I I've went, not been to Huashan. No, I went there in 2010 and uh, with uh, Jeffrey Yuan, and um, the mountain was so. This is perfect. So you know, go with a big group of people, and just about every single person was throwing up or all kinds of weird things on that mountain. It, it was it was aptly named Huashan. Huashan. Wait, is this Joe Huashan? Uh, it's the one that's near the Terracotta Soldiers. It's in that area near Xi'an. Mm. Okay, no, I'm thinking of something else. Yeah, and uh, it, so it's a radical mountain. It, it, it's it's actually mm. where the last holdout was in the um, it, when the government when the communists won the war. It was the very last holdout. Um, where there's a story where they climbed up the Yin side of the mountain, the one that no one ever goes on to overtake the final last hold oh of you the know government. what i think i have been there because i remember going to the uh terracotta warriors yes and uh it's near there i had i had a taiwanese girlfriend at the time and she didn't want to just see the terracotta warriors we had to do the whole bus tour through everything yeah and so yeah so we saw the place where uh Chiang kai shek had his last hold out yes. you, know, you still see the bullet holes in the yes you know, yes, I slept, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I slept in yes, that yes, building. I slept in that building. Okay. <laughs> but well, I have what been was there. 
What was interesting is every, I think it was about 50 people that went and, and all of us, I think minus two, got really sick. I actually didn't get sick on the mountain. I, I think I had a premonition and I got kind of woozy in Beijing and I decided to uh, spend a day just clearing clearing myself. So I kind of did a pre-illness, uh, but once everyone got there, they were all, you know, very affected maybe by the energy or something we ate, but but it, it just seemed like a radical transformational place. Like everyone was going through some kind of like cathartic, you know, thing. Well, you and also I think... had your group thing going on there too. You know, sometimes yeah. regardless of place, you get a you get a group of people yes. together, you're doing some kind of work together and, yes. and it's like you you build up a head of steam yeah. for yourself. I mean Speaking yeah. alchemically, it's like you kind of put yourself in this cooker together. Yes, the cauldron. Right? Yes. Put yourself yes. in a cauldron together. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But I love that word hua because it also means a flower and it's mm. that blooming of a flower. So the transformation from the bud to this is a little bit why the alchemists like that word so much more than the beyond change, slower change that you're talking about. They're, they're looking for more radical change in themselves. Mm. Yeah, it is the same character. The, with flower, there's a grass radical above it. Yes. But it's, yeah, but otherwise it's the same character, and I can't remember if the tones are the same. But yeah, it, that yeah. The, the unfolding of a flower is nothing short of magic, right? Magic, right? Yeah. 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 So I like that idea of like slow incremental change, mm. you know, versus transformative or in actually transmutational change mm. where something really like what happens uh, when a species starts to mutate, like there, there's something why all of a sudden, you know, all, you go through sort of an evolutionary process and then suddenly some, you know, something radically changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, with that in mind, and, and again, I'm, I'm thinking and speaking here as a practitioner. Yeah. I just I get a little bit nervous around Hua change. Mm -hmm. If there hasn't been some kind of grounding or work yes. to root yes. it. Absolutely. So a certain amount of bien change, and, and like we were talking about earlier, you know, look, I like to have my spirit up in the sky too, but, you know, I got to make sure the rent is paid. Yeah, exactly, so, so, yeah. So making sure that some of that, 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 that mud ball stuff is taken care of or shadow material that we have is taken care of, bien type changes are very helpful for that. Very you know, a little helpful. incremental change here, a little incremental change there. Yeah. You know, you go from having a terrible job that has awful hours to a good job that has decent hours to maybe you're self-employed. You get to choose your own hours. Yeah. And yeah. now you've got way more possibilities yeah. for what you do with your time and your spirit and your life. Yeah. Uh, I, I think where I, I, I sometimes see people come into the clinic and where I get very nervous around change is when I experience someone asking for a Hua type change mm -hmm. without having done some Bien change work. Yes. Because that, that just seems risky to me. 
or even like if it, you may not mean to do this, but like, I'm sure you've had this before where one session just makes a radical change. The person changes, like you didn't try to evoke that change, but all of a sudden like the clouds opened up and the sun shone, you know, shined in and and they they come back like all excited. But But I think then the beyond change also needs to support the Hua change. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed that, but like sometimes people feel radically better and then there's a maybe a little period and then they come in and it can even feel worse. And it's not yes. even that it's worse. It's that they had some kind of repeated old symptom come up and the fact that it had been gone for a little bit made them feel so good. And then when it came back, they were almost more devastated than before. Oh, yeah. oh that shit left. didn't work. Right. It's like, okay, well, it came back, and how bad is it? Well, you know, it's 80% better than it was. Yeah. But it came back. And they're yeah, okay. mortified. Yeah. Well, so there's that. And then we see this a lot with acupuncture all the time. All the time. People come in, they have an amazing experience. Oh, wow, yeah. this stuff really is magic. Yeah. And then they come in for their second treatment, and it's the ho-hum treatment. It's like, well, you know, that wasn't like the first one. <sighs> yeah. It's like, yeah, well, because you, you went 50 miles on your first one, and you went yeah. a mile on your second one. Yes, that's but it. But you're already, in some ways, you're already different. Sometimes when you get yeah. that big leap, yeah. people don't realize that they're already quite different. And, and, yes. and yes. you have to consolidate yes. that change. Yeah, yeah. You can't just yeah. keep going hua, hua, hua. Right, yeah, and nobody can withstand that much hua change. Well, I mean, you know, it feels good. It's exciting. Yeah. You know, it'd be like me as a 17-year-old if I actually did get those powers. Like, ooh, I can mind control, talk to girls now. You know, that would have made me dangerous. Right, right. You can't withstand <laughs> constant hua change. But beyond change, we that's sort of the human nature is we yeah. slowly, incrementally grow older. So, of course, we're changing. So, like, you know, we grow wiser little bit of change at a time. I got a question for you. Yeah. What is wisdom? What does wisdom look like? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> You're back to the interviewer. Um, I no, think I'm, wis- I'm, I'm just asking for a friend here. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> what is wisdom? I think uh, the way it's defined by um, Jeffrey Yuen, who talks a lot about the nine palaces, because it's one of the nine palaces, is mm. knowledge is skills and abilities and like factual information. And then wisdom is when we apply that and have experiences in life. So it's basically Mm. everything we learn from experience, not from training or book learning or, or sort of facts and figures. It's more like, oh yeah, well that, I read all that, but when I did it, that wasn't my experience. Now I have a deeper wisdom about it. Yeah. And and that's why that palace isn't first on the list. It's almost last. You know, it's it takes life experience. It takes years on the planet of mm-hmm. mucking in the mud ball. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wonder, because you know, I hear that word a lot. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things where I used to think I knew what that meant. Mm. Like 
smart and capable is what I used to think it meant. And then kind of skilled is what I thought it meant. And now I'm increasingly not sure what it means. Yeah. Um, so when people bring it up, I like to ask. Well, one I, of the I things feel... that, that I've found lately is, um, how do I phrase it? I mean, there's that old phrase about those who know don't say and those who say don't know. It, it's, it's kind yeah. of a trite little truism. But there seems yeah. to be something to it that I run into people that have some kind of deep capacity and, and they're usually generous with what they have to offer. But man, there's no shiny bright lights around it because they're saying a lot less than... Right. Than and that's actually, than, that makes sense from a Chinese medicine point of view, because if wisdom is housed in the kidneys, it's one of the kidney, one mm -hmm. of the water elements palaces, the kidneys have wisdom. They hold that wisdom. The zhe would hold that wisdom. And they are the least articulate. So it's almost like we well, have to... Well, they're about preservation. Yeah. And they're not going to show the, where the treasure is. Mm -mm, no way. Kidneys aren't going to show you where the treasure is. Like, we got the treasure. Yeah. It, it, and we're not telling you where it is because it's the treasure. Why would you... Right. You know, you don't want right. to lose right. your treasure, disperse it um, you know, yeah. unwise right. ways. Exactly. So... That heart-kidney communication is what allows you to voice the wisdom. And sometimes even that heart-kidney communication is going to say, wait, this isn't the time to voice the mm -hmm. wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, because the kidneys kind of control that. And yeah. so, so I think it's, I think, you know, honestly, you've been on a quest for wisdom with your podcast and your job. I mean, as an acupuncturist, like you, you, everything you've, said so far is really like, yeah, knowledge is great, but what's deeper than that? Like what, like your, your inquisitive heart wants more deeper knowing. I think the deeper knowing is the wisdom. I don't know. We could say that. Well, certainly as an acupuncturist, I'm looking to be helpful in whatever way I can. That's, mm -hmm. that's kind of what guides, guides me. I remember having a teacher when I was in acupuncture school. Brilliant acupuncturist, um, amazing practitioner, very generous, very, very generous. But what I noticed about this person was if you were not, if you were not picking up on what had just been taught, you would not be given the next step. Mm. And it's not because this person was not generous. This person was happy to give you anything that could be given. But this person also noticed that if you didn't get a fundamental step, some fundamental pieces, it would be impossible to give the next thing. In fact, yeah. it would be, it would just create a stagnation. It would make things more confusing. Yeah, I like that, yeah. And often when I think about wisdom, I think about how this person taught. Yeah. It, Here's a piece. Can you digest it? Oh, you haven't digested that yet. Okay. I mean, no harm, no foul. Keep working. 
Oh, I love that because like if we talk about the kidneys holding the wisdom and then someone needs to teach that or impart that to someone else, how does that come in that has to get into earth? It has to get digested. Mm. We, we need to take some time to allow that rottening and ripening, we call it in Chinese medicine, that the stomach does. And then the transformation of it that the spleen does so that now maybe it can become our knowledge and maybe then put into practice so we can have wisdom about it too. I mean, it, if the teacher just says it, it's still just knowledge. And then we have to kind of digest it. Maybe it's knowledge if you've digested a bit. Yeah. If you haven't digested it, it's just a obstruction. Right. Oh, good point. Yeah. A little constipation there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't know what to do with it. Your your body, mind, spirit throws it away in the end or or doesn't know what to do with it. Just like you said, an obstruction. Yeah. So maybe knowing how to titrate some of that stuff out. I mean, I see this with acupuncture too. Uh, there's things that I think might be helpful for somebody, right. but there's things that you need to do to help prepare them right. to be able to, to get to that next place. Yeah. So again, with those BN type changes, step by step. Yeah. Right. So so you had said a phrase in in the session we had together on your podcast, the alchemical mindset. So did I say that? you did. You said I did? that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to know what you thought that was. And you know, now that you're not that younger self who wanted all that really fast change and magic and whatever else, mm. like what for you is the mindset you're, you know, looking to cultivate for yourself? You know, being oh, wow. a person who's constantly, I mean, honestly, Michael, you've you've delved into so many levels and layers of Chinese philosophy and thought. Um, not really. <laughs> no, 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 actually, no, not really. I mean, huh. I, I, you know, I've read a little Tao Te Ching. I've read a little Zhuangzi. You know, I read my Chinese medicine books, which is really Chinese philosophy applied. Yeah. When you think about it. You know, so but, I, I've but got very that. much like I, I'm you not, said, I'm not any kind of a scholar. Yes, but very much like you said, your scholarship is through communication with people. So these interviews that you're doing, what some 300 or so now, you know, these interviews is the way you are a scholar. Like you've created. Yeah, I, would, I really wouldn't call myself a scholar. Well, I mean, I, in I terms really of. I really wouldn't. Yeah. No, I, I. Well, what's the word for I mean, it then? Scholar, I mean, a scholarly mindset is much more methodical than mine. Yeah. You know, people that are scholars, man, they, I mean, they can quote stuff and they know the commentaries and the commentaries on the commentaries and they can, you know, suss out different schools of thought and how they True. interact True. and how they're similar and how they're different. And I, I do not have that kind of academic mind. Right. I just don't. That's very it, true. It, so, what would you call it then? Because you, you're developing a, a different uh, way of accessing the wisdom of the world through interviews. Yeah, I know. So I just sit down for tea or coffee and conversation. Yeah. Um, and the thing I like about conversation is it, it takes the uh, 
pressure off of having to know something. It takes the pressure off of having to be smart or look smart or any of yeah. that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an opportunity to like noodle on stuff and see what might be there. I really feel like it's an earth mindset. It's like, you know, this, this relational space is, is, is um, allowing uh, an, you know, a curiosity about things. And then what you're seeking is that aha moment. It's like, oh yeah, that. And, but it's through this, you know, mm. relational space mm -hmm. that's so different than book learning or scholarly, mm. academic. Yeah, it is but very it's, different. It, it's still very powerful. Well, and sure. It I has mean, a look place. At, look at people like, uh, say, in more modern times, Bill Moyers mm -hmm. right? or Barbara Walters or, yes. you know. If you know some yes. of the older characters, people like Studs Terkel, right? <laughs> people who just talk to people. Yeah. Um, who's who was that other person who was an amazing interviewer? I can't remember his name. But I mean, Larry King. Yeah, Larry right? King. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's all kinds of folks that are yeah. just they're, they're they're present and curious. Yeah, that's it. Um, and and so I would say I'm I'm more out of that kind of tradition. Yes. Than a scholarly tradition, but again, yes. I come back to being a, a practitioner. I come back to being an acupuncturist mm -hmm. and one who's not great with diagnostics. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not that good. At someone comes in, they tell me a few things, and I go pop, 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 ding, ding, ding. Oh, it's that. You know, take the pulse. Oh, yeah, it's the, you know for sure. Here's what it is. I'm not that good at that. I know people that are, but it's not my forte really to, to get along and do the work that I've done. I have had to lean on sitting with people and trying to understand what was going on for them. Right. And in a sense, wait for them to tell me what they needed. Right, right. And at a certain point, it'll be like, oh, I think it's this. Yeah. And then I could like fit a diagnostic pattern on it. It's like, oh yeah, I could see how you could get, you could get to that diagnostic pattern, but I've I've always waited for this. I have not always waited for it. I have learned to wait for a moment where it's like, oh, I think it might be this. But this is the key of what well, everything we've talked about today, because I feel like uh, this is kind of what I've always wanted to do in in my clinical practice too, which is not necessarily the technician or the scholarly technician. Like, as much as pulses are interesting and, you know, looking at the tongue diagnosis, you know, it's all very interesting and it feeds into what we might think. But then we have this very relational aspect of Chinese medicine, which is we really try to listen with our deepest, like, self, our, our inquisitive hearts. We try mm. to listen to that depth. And then what, and this is what modern medicine is lacking so much. I mean, not everyone. I, there are wonderful doctors out there, but, but they're definitely coaxed into being very much a technician and someone who knows everything. So you go to the doctor to get fixed and the doctor's supposed to know everything. And what you're saying is like, we, we come to it like with an empty, you know, bowl of 
you know, come, come, and we're we're empty. We we listen and we start to fill up with, oh, maybe this idea, maybe that idea, and then what we do is not the technician. It's more maybe a teacher. You know, we might give them some information, or we might just be with them more. And we already said like, ah, oh, shaman. But that's <laughs> but that's really like we we often say like technician, teacher, or shaman. And I would say you're somewhere in the teacher shaman range, and definitely not the not loving the technician, you know, area. And well, to know, me, that's I, I the was... crux of it of Chinese medicine. Is not. I was being hoping just I could be that great technician. Yeah. I love the I love the scholar physicians. I love reading their work. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. But I'm not good at it. Right. You know, it's it's not and it's not from not trying. <laughs> But, I, but I I'm not sure. I'm not sure in this modern age. You know, Sun Simiao. I don't know where he wrote this, but I read that he said that the more free time we have, or the more advanced society is, the more uh, psycho spiritual illness, illnesses there are. That and makes like sense. We, we have too that, much time. That totally time. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast recently. And uh, the host asks the guest, so what do you think the problem is with our country these days? And the guy says, oh, that's easy. Too much prosperity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so <laughs> and so, if we're not... <laughs> exactly. So if we're not uh, working on the level of survival, if we have prosperity, then that means that we're having more psycho-spiritual issues. And that Maybe. means that... Maybe, the practitioner's yeah. heart and their own psycho-spiritual sort of awareness and openness has to be involved in the healing of that particular thing. Now, I'm not saying we don't have physical things going on, many of us, but even those sometimes are from a psycho-emotional, you know, cause. And so what I'm postulating here is mm. like this thing that you kind of... We're like, oh, it's by default. I only can do this. I'm not a technician. I'm not a scholar. Is a is a miracle and a wonderful attribute because I. It's honestly what I think many of us need to cultivate in acupuncture is that inquisitive heart and that emptiness of not knowing. Yeah. So you know. here's where it gets interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm all for being able to sit with comfort in that emptiness and uncertainty of not knowing. I'm all for it. I think right. it's really helpful. Right. I, I want to put a cautionary warning to it. That doesn't mean that you can show up with nothing. You got to have something. I you got to have some skill. You've got to have yeah. some experience. Yeah. You've got to have something so that as you're sitting with the uncertainty, you have like a database of experience, yes. a database yeah. of theory, a database yeah. of possibility. You got to have something, right? But, but it's that like that ten thousand hours kind idea. Of a, it's like the ten thousand hour idea, yeah. Because if you just show up, like, well, the answer will show up, right? But if you haven't done your work, like, no, the answer is not going to show up. So you still got to yeah. do your work. Yeah. Maybe a better way to say it is like this. Maybe a better way to say it is don't go in with too many preconceptions. 
Mm. Have your knowledge for sure. Knowledge is really, really go. important. It, yes. like, don't go in without your knowledge. Yes. Like if you want to go muck around in uncertainty and think you don't need some knowledge, good luck. You're going to need luck. But if you got some knowledge and you can take that into the field of not knowing yeah, and see what arises. There you th go. Th maybe that's the ballast for the boat right there. There you go. That's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's, that's it. it. I like that. I feel like we could use that in our lives, not just our practices. Absolutely. You know, what would it take to kind of be a little bit of a technician and and a little bit of that you know, more mystical person and allow sort of not hold on to that knowledge so tightly that we can't allow ourselves to be a little more yeah. in the have not you ever knowing. Seen, have you ever seen a really good tradesman work? I mean, a really good mm -hmm. tradesman. You ever mm -hmm. seen one work? Sure. Yeah. So they're full, they're great technicians. Yeah. And they're full of stuff that they know, right. but the very best tradesmen are the ones who know how to diagnose a problem. Yeah. And then even if it's diagnosed, like, well, how do I get to that? Like, how do I get to that piece of the track that's behind this wall yeah. without taking the wall down? Well, I could cut a porthole in the wall and get in through there, something like yeah. that. So yeah. for sure, there is a place for the technician. I honor yeah. the technician. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it's like a skilled person sailing. You've got the knowledge and you've got some experience. The question is, how do you apply it in the current moment as it's unfolding right now? And maybe that's where the wisdom comes in. And I was going to say, and is that the magic? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still nervous around magic because I'm afraid in my hands I would misuse it. Ah. Uh. But maybe it's there no matter what. Like maybe without it, it might awareness. be there, but yeah, um, yeah. I you know, I'm a creature of the mud ball. I might misuse it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. How would you misuse it though? Like you know, like the teen who wanted to <laughs> mind control to talk to girls. Yeah, I, I I would yeah I would use it for just my own gain. So maybe it's good to have sort of the mystical aspect of yourself be a little bit like there, but not focusing on it, not bringing too much awareness to that. And just like, it, it, for example, like almost like a, you know, a guru who goes megalomaniac, you know, just you, you, you start to be aware of your power and it's, it's too much. See? I, I think really great technicians and, you know, again, I mean, in our day and age, like the technician is seen as kind of lower in a way. I know a lot of practitioners in my trade. It's like, well, I'm a doctor. I'm not a technician. I'm yeah. a doctor for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I still have a real love of the technique side of things. Yeah. Anybody who can handle the life on the mud ball yeah. with skill and a blom and in a in a you know a sense of nonchalance that comes from enjoyment and curiosity. Yeah. I, I think being a technician is great. Mm. I'm really happy to be a technician. 
I think but about it this way. But you have a natural bedside manner, and there's so many doctors that... It is know, not been... a natural bedside manner. Ah. I've been at this for 25 years. Right. So, you know, how, how have I gotten to 25 years? Well, a lot of damn failure, a lot mm -hmm. of figuring out what doesn't work, a lot of, oh, I need to, like, listen closely to hear what someone actually needs. Right. Easy enough to hear what they want. That's helpful to a small degree. What do they actually need? Right. That's a different question. Um, so you develop the I think there's, there's a lot of magic in being a good technician. Yeah. You know, a lot yeah. of people in my trade, maybe yours too, all y'all's listening, maybe y'all want to be some kind of master at something. Yeah. I am not aiming at being a master. Hmm. I would nice. like to be a good, solid journeyman. Journeyman yeah. can do great work. Yeah. Journeyman can, like, you put something in their hands, they can figure it out. Mm. And, right. you know, journeymen are people of, of the earth. They're just common people. Yeah. I, I want to live a common life. I want to be a good journeyman. I like the idea of being a technician. And to me, a, yeah. a good technician, again, is a kind of a magician. <laughs> So I'm 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 happy to like just roll in that realm right there. That's um, interesting I, that you bring the word mag ma magician back in. You know, it's like part of you rejects it, and then it's part like of practical you magic. I'm, yeah, I'm very interested in practical like magic. That. Practical yeah. magic. There you go. Practical magic. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that inquisitive heart is is the key to that. I really you know. There's something that. else. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Usually, I have thought of magic as being the, the, the Hua-type magic. Like, mm -hmm. I want to do Hua-type magic. I'm really happy doing Bien-type magic. Yeah. I think there's a place for it. Yeah. I agree. Um, um, as much as, like, you might think alchemy is uh, Hua-type magic, um, the nine stages of alchemy is a lot of Bien-type magic. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing very... that from you slow and it's there are definitely alchemical tra traditions which are really radical like changes mm -hmm. that are crazy over three months or six months or nine months I, I i that's not for me either i feel like mm -hmm. there is a real benefit to that you know slower change where we're really allowing ourselves to be to discover our authentic nature to to allow ourselves to be ourselves and then maybe sometimes we move out of that into something more than what we think we're capable of yeah i'm going to call that lived into magic there you go yes yes yeah yes you know it 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 would be fun to have you back on geological yeah for for a conversation on this kind of lived into magic these these middle portions of the uh, square that you're talking about yeah that are the realm of the bien type change yeah that again for me I, and maybe because i'm an acupuncturist and people are looking very for very practical results yeah that's where i tend to live my life and i think there's oh my god there's so much to explore in there i'm like never bored for a moment that's great i love it let's do it i think that's a great phrase Mm. And I think 
it's it's more achievable and practical for the majority of people to to embrace that instead of like that spiritual bypass we keep you know we want we keep reaching up to heaven right we want we really we do want keep reaching it. to heaven and and we should yeah yeah i mean reaching to heaven is is a natural impulse it's a natural inclination Re reaching to heaven is is yeah i think we should I, I rarely use the word should i would say a healthy human yeah. is is putting their feet in the mud ball and reaching into heaven. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Both there hands. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We're trees. <laughs> We're trees. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. Well, Michael, this has been great. Is there anything else that you want to share with us, either about anything that you are doing upcoming or places that people should not, check not out Not really. I just, I appreciate you inviting me to this conversation. I've yeah. learned some wonderful things about magic. That's great. <laughs> wow, there's a bien type magic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, living into and, your magic. Yeah, so I'm, I'm down with that. Cool. And, and just you know, the opportunity to be on the other side of the microphone and to let mm -hmm. someone else drive, get a chance um, to see what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Um, I know. I know. It's really cool. It's yeah, it's yeah. It, it's really wonderful being, you know, on the receiving end of of thoughtful questions. Yeah. It's uh, it right. is a kind of magic. It is to to yes. be able to see what's actually in your own mind. Yeah. 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 Which is which is what I meant about your interviewing style when mm. I when I um was talking to you earlier. I really appreciated that you took the time to allow something to kind of filter down or bubble up. And it was, it was, it's, it's a beautiful style and much appreciated all around the world. So keep, mm. keep going. I love geological. So <laughs> thank you for bringing Thanks. it. Yeah. You're welcome. All right, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Inspired Action Podcast and you've reached the end. Woohoo! Why not celebrate a little bit and click that subscribe button right there. We love having you with us on this journey and we want it to continue. You can also rate and review this podcast. And if you have already, thank you so much. We read all reviews and your reviews help other people find this podcast as well. You can also be a part of this podcast yourself by submitting a voice recording message and emailing it to us at Lita at InspiredActionPodcast.com or Jay at InspiredActionPodcast.com. And if you want, you can join our Facebook group or follow us on Instagram. Join us next week for another Inspired Action Conversation. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening and remember to hug the dog. <laughs>